Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. Don't turn there real quickly. I want to tell you, I want to just uh, give you a verse, and then we're going to go somewhere else here for just a moment. Um, we've been, every one of these testimonies has had to do with the fact that you're saved. And even Brother George, I like what Brother George said, and I don't know if he realized what he was saying, but he was alluding to what Jesus does in your life when he said he's a better husband, he's a better everything. You know why that is, don't you? Because Jesus is just better. Amen? You look over in the book of Hebrews, and the whole theme through the whole book of Hebrews is that he's better. He's a, it's a better covenant that we have now. We have, I mean, everything about Jesus is better than what we, the old life had to offer. The old life of sin, can I tell you this afternoon? The old life of sin is horrible whenever you look at it in comparison to that, what heaven, the heavenly Father has for us. He said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19, look at this. This is why we're testifying this evening. This is why we can shout. This is why we can sing. This is why we can cry. He said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19, he said, Now therefore, you are no more strangers or foreigners. But then he said, But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Can I tell you this evening? I'm so glad I'm not a foreigner anymore. I go up to New England, and can I be honest, sometimes I feel like a foreigner, and they always look at me and say, you ain't from here, are you? I say, no, I'm not. But here's the thing. When I get to that heavenly home over there, whenever I get home one of these days, after a while, there ain't going to be nobody looking at me like I'm a stranger. There ain't going to be nobody looking around at me and saying, what are you doing here? Hey, can I tell you this afternoon, I'm no more a stranger. I'm no more a foreigner. Why? Because of the day of June 25th of 2002, and an old-fashioned altar, the Holy Ghost of God came by my way, knocked on my heart's door, said, Matthew, you're lost. You're on your way to hell. But if you'll let me, I'll save you. I'm glad I'm saved this evening. I had to get that off my chest before I go any further, all right? We, I just got back this evening. I told the preacher this morning, whenever I was on the plane coming back, um, about the revival meeting was in Rhode Island this week. I flew up on Saturday for a revival meeting there in Rhode Island. And while we was there in Rhode Island, we had a total of 14 services. Had over 200, almost 300 different men come out for the services. And in those services, we had 50 men get saved by the grace of God. You say, preacher, why do you do what you do? Because of those 50 men that ain't going to hell now. Those 50 men will never have to worry about their eternal destination. Why? Because they put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, guess what? There are no more strangers. There are no more foreigners. I couldn't help but sit in the service this evening. And I had something in mind that I wanted to preach. But I want to just give you a quick thought real quickly. In Revelation chapter number 20, if you'll look with me in verse number 11 down through verse number 15. I just want to give you a quick thought. Revelation chapter number 20, I've been, I've been reading through the uh, New Testament. I, Lord's actually allowed me to read through the New Testament twice this year now. And I just finished up the book of Revelation the other night on Monday night. I read this passage of Scripture, and there's something in this passage of Scripture that caught my eye. And I want to try to give it to you this evening. Revelation chapter number 20, when you find your place, if you're willing and able, let's stand reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Revelation chapter number 20, look with me at verse number 11. The Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Verse number 14, the Bible says, And the death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer this evening. Our dearly Father, so we come to your presence to pray. Lord, I pray that you'd touch me now. Lord, I need you this evening. Lord, I don't want to do or say anything, no grieve or quench your Holy Spirit. Lord, it's, I can, we could leave already and say it's been good to be in your house this evening. Lord, I want to thank you for the sweet Holy Ghost that we felt this evening. Thank you for showing up. Lord, thank you, Lord, for ministering to my heart. And Lord, thank you, Lord, that we've got a home church that we can come back to that's still just as alive and still just as real. It's what it was when we left. Lord, I want to thank you for showing up this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd touch now and you're blessed in these next few moments as I try my best to preach the message that I feel like that you have for these next few moments. Lord, I pray that you'd touch now and you're blessed. And Lord, if there's one lost soul here this evening, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to come and get saved by the grace of God. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Here in the book of Revelation, chapter number 20, a very familiar passage of Scripture. No doubt you've heard this preached on many times, and no doubt you've heard different thoughts out of this, and I promise you I'm not going to give you anything different this evening. But I've noticed this in my own Christian life. Sometimes it's the simple things that we forget about. Sometimes it's the basic things, the basic Things that sometimes we'll forget about those things and we have to be reminded of those things. And here in Revelation chapter number 20, I want to just give you a few things. This evening I've got four points and I want to get to my last one. So I'll run through the first three and then get to the last one, all right? But look at verse number 20 or verse number 11. The Bible says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. Number one this evening, I want to just mention this real quickly. In verse number 11, we see the person that's sitting on that throne. In verse number 11, the Bible says that I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. Who is him? It's none other than God sitting on that throne to judge the sinners. This is not a judgment for the saints. This is, however, a judgment for the sinners. If you leave this walk of life without God this evening, you will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ. However, you will stand before this great right throne judgment. You say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm a good person. It doesn't matter a hill of beans in the eyes of God whether you're a good person or a bad person. You'll still go to the same hell that the one that helped all the homeless people goes to if you're not saved by the grace of God. Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 11, he talks about the person that's there. But then we also see the place of this judgment. Verse number 11, he said, and I saw a great white throne. Preacher, what is the significance of the fact that it's a white throne? This speaks to the purity of God. This will not be an ordinary man stand, or sitting on that throne in that day. This will be none other than God himself in all his purity in all his glory as he sits there. You say, preacher, you make it sound like it's going to be a joyous thing. Oh, no, friend. It's going to be one of the most horrible things that you've ever experienced. Verse number 11, he tells us about the person. He tells us about the place. 
But in verse number 12, we see in verse number 12, he said, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books, according to their works. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead, which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them. And they were judged, and look at what that next word says, every man according to his works. We see not just the person of the judgment. We don't see just the place of the judgment. Can I say number three? We see the people that's at the judgment. I want you to notice something real quickly with me in verse number 12. The Bible says, And I saw the dead, small and great, and standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened in verse number 12, the last part. He says, Which is the book of life? And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to what? Their works. Now let's stop and think for just a moment. Whenever the Bible says in Romans chapter three, verse number 23, for all have seen and come short of the glory of God. So what he's saying is this, we have a measuring stick. If I can illustrate it this way, we have a measuring stick. In order to get to God, we have to get past this point. God's glory is here and we're down here and in order to get to God's glory, we must measure up. We must do enough, if I can illustrate it that way. We must do enough to get here, but can I say this? We don't measure up. He said they'd be judged according to their works. Well, preacher, what is their works? Well, here's the thing. You got people that think that they can feed enough homeless people and you ought to feed homeless people. You got people that think you ought to, that you, they can take care of enough veterans and you ought to take care of veterans. They think that they can solve all the world's problems and you ought to do everything that you can to help your fellow man. But here's the thing. That does not measure up in the eyes of God. I've met good men, I've met good women. Matter of fact, just this past week, this past Monday night, I was sitting there talking to a gentleman and he said, well, preacher, I'm not really that bad of a person. Now keep in mind, we're in prison. He said, preacher, I'm not that bad of a person. And I just looked at him and forgive my bluntness for just a moment. You gotta understand, New Englanders are blunt, all right? So because of that, you can be blunt with him. And I just looked at him, I said, well, sir, with all due respect, you're obviously not as good of a person as you think you are. Why? Because he's in prison. But here's the thing about it this evening. Every one of us at our very best, we don't like to think we're bad, do we? We like to think we're good people, don't we? You run into people, as a matter of fact, in New England, the favorite, their, it's like their favorite saying is two words. They'll say, oh, I'm all set. Huh? What do you mean I'm all set? And basically what they're saying, you offer them a gospel track and they say, oh, no, I'm all set. And what they're saying is, no, I'm good. But here's the thing. No matter how many people they take care of, no matter how many people that they help, now, especially this time of year, there's a huge focus. You'll have blanket drives and you'll have jacket drives and you'll have, they'll be taking up food. And I mean, you'll see food pantry donation buckets everywhere and people will flock to that and they'll fill them up and they'll fill them up. They'll fill them to where they have to empty them over and over and over again. And you know what they're doing? They're trying to do good works and they're trying to do everything that they possibly can. But here's the thing. It does not measure up. That's right. Can I say this this evening? You don't measure up either. Even at my very best, which ain't much, the song says, even at my very best, I am unworthy. When I consider all the times that I've let God down, 
But here's the thing this evening. I stand before you this evening redeemed, saved on my way to heaven. You say, preacher, why? Because you measured up. No, because of the day that the Holy Spirit of God came by and said, hey, you don't measure up. But if you'll let me, I'll bring you up. If you'll let me, I'll change your life for time and for eternity. Why? Because I did not measure up. I had to have somebody to help me. So we see the person, we see the place, we see the people. But then can I give you number four and I'm done? We see the problem with the judgment. So preacher, you mean to tell me there's a problem? Yeah, look at verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Come down to verse number 13. He talks about the sea giving up the dead, death and hell delivered up the dead. Verse number 14, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And look at what he said in verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Here's the problem. They didn't have to go there. You say, preacher, what if they didn't know there was a list they had to be on? What if they didn't know they had to have their name written down in that book of life? then the fact that they're ignorant doesn't change the fact that they'll still go to hell and spend all eternity in that lake of fire. You say, preacher, why would you preach that on a Wednesday night? This is the cream of the crop here. I understand that. But here's the thing about it. We've lost our burden. We no longer look at this world as a lost, hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner or world full of sinners. We now look at this world as, well, they're pretty good people. We associate with them. Here's the thing, you've got to associate with them for, for some part. Is that not correct? The gentleman that sat next to me on the airplane from Reagan International Airport all the way down to Atlanta, guess what? I had to associate with him. He sat next to me. Now, I slept on the way down, all right? I didn't try not to associate too much, but the person that sat me next to me on the flight this morning before, on the way from Providence to Washington, Reagan International, here's the thing, I had to associate with that person too. Because I'm in this world. But here's where we're at. We're in this world, or we're in this world, but here's the thing. We've got to the point where we're of this world. We've got to the point where we've said, you know what? It's just hell. I say that with all respect, and I want you to understand I'm not being ugly. I'm not being crude. As a matter of fact, I'm trying my best to tread carefully. But we've got to the point, and even in our churches all across this land, Richard, we've been in over 300 churches since we started deputation. You know what I've noticed in every one of them? Just about. They've lost their burden. They've lost their burden. In verse number 14, verse number 12, verse number 13, verse number 14, verse number 15. Verse number 15 sums up everything with the problem here. He said, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in like a fire. Can I ask you a question this evening? Are you on the list? Are you on the list? See this after or this morning, whenever after I got on the plane, they went back into the prison this morning at 9.30 and they begin discipleship classes. But when the men that came out for those discipleship classes, in order for them to be pulled to come out, they first had to be on the list. 
I printed out a list yesterday before we left our before I left my motel. I printed out a list that had each one of them's names and inmate numbers and unit and cell number on it. Every bit of that information they had to have on that list, or they could not come out this morning. No doubt there was men that whenever they, the other guys was pulled, they said, "Well, what about us?" It happens every time. They said, "Well, I want to go," and they look at the officers, look at them, and say, "Well." I'm sorry, they've only asked for these ones, these specific ones. Can I ask you a question? Whenever he begins to judge your works, will your name be on, in that book of life? Not asking you if you've made a profession of faith. Not asking you if you prayed a prayer. Not asking if you've got your name on the church roll. I'm not asking you if you've been dunked in the baptismal pool. That's not what I'm asking you. What I'm asking you is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life is your name on the list. Or will you be one that will stand at that great white throne judgment? Because see, here's the thing about it. The Bible says in verse number, chapter 21, verse number four, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more, no more death nor neither sorrow nor crying for neither shall be there any more pain for the former things are passed away. You know why I believe that is? Because I believe those of us that are saved are going to stand there and watch the great white throne judgment. Amen. And we're going to see our family members and our friends that we could have reached. And perhaps they'll even turn around and look at us and say, why didn't you tell me that I didn't have to go to this awful place? Can I tell you where we've got to? As a Baptist church in America, not necessarily this church, but in churches all across this nation, can I tell you where we've gotten to? We've gotten to the point where we're more, for, we're more focused on what the world has to offer and having the finer things of life and doing what the world says, oh, you should do this, this is in right now. Can I just tell you, I've never been concerned about being in. I've been an out all my life. And I ain't worried about being an end starting now, all right? What I do is peculiar. I understand that. I was in Rhode Island in a gas station just the other night on Monday night, and I walked in, and the lady looked at me, and she said, you ain't from here, are you? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, what in the world are you doing in Rhode Island? And I said, ma'am, with all due respect, I don't know. I'm just kidding, all right? I said, God, I said, there's a prison right up the road. I called the name of it. She said, yeah, I know where that is. I said, We've been going in and having preaching services and she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, you're doing what? She said, you mean to tell me you came all the way up here from Georgia just to preach in a prison? I said, yes, ma'am. Do you know what? The world don't understand that. Do you know what I'm figuring out? People in churches don't understand that either. You know why? Because we've lost our burden. Can I ask you a question this evening? I got two questions for you. Ready? Number one, are you on the list? most important question you'll ever answer this evening. Are you on the list? Has your name been written down in that book of life? But number two, can I ask you this? If your name is on the list, who are you telling about the list? Who are you personally? Genesis chapter number 12, the angels have went to Sodom and they looked at Lot. The God's fixing to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels look at Lot and they say, hast thou here any besides? Talking about besides his family. Can I ask you a question this evening? Who's here at Bible Baptist Church this evening? Because you personally carried a burden for them. 
because you personally shed tears for them. Because you personally went after them. Not the preacher went after them. Not anybody else went after them. But you personally carried a burden for them. And you shed tears for them. And you made, you made sure that you called their name out every single day in prayer. And said, God, I want to see them saved. Yes. Who's here because of you? We need our burden back. But it starts with making sure that we're on the list. It starts with making sure that our name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But then it continues with making sure that we have a burden. Our dearly Father, as we come to your presence to pray, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of you and me to stand and preach your word this evening. Lord, I've tried my best to mind you. Lord, I've tried my best to preach exactly what you had for us this evening. Lord, I know it didn't, didn't necessarily feel like it fit the service, but Lord, I... No doubt that this is what you wanted me to preach. Lord, maybe there's somebody here this evening that's lost. I wonder if there is. Would you speak to them? Would you convict them? Or not so that that way we could go out of here and brag on us, but so that that way we could go out of here and brag on you. So that way we could lift you up. And that way somebody else could get to talk about how, how things are that much better because of you. Lord, I pray that you'd touch now during this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd touch those of us that are saved. Would you give us our tears back? Give us our burden back. Lord, no doubt everyone here has lost family members, lost loved ones. Lord, I pray that you give us a burden back for them. Have your perfect will away now. Bless as the preacher comes. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name.